Hello everyone, my name's Dave and it is great to be able to share with you today from the Bible, from God's Word. And today we are kicking off a little series that we're going to be doing over the summer. We are wanting this summer to be a summer of blessing. Over this summer we want to be a blessing to people. So on Sundays we are gathering together in order to go out and be a blessing uh, to people around and to, and to share and to invite people to things. We also want to encourage you to open up your gardens, open up your homes if, if, uh, if that's appropriate. Uh, to bless people, to, to encourage people, to, to have a barbecue, to come alongside people, to be a blessing to people. And what we're going to be doing in these, in these services online is we're going to be looking at a few times in the Bible when God declares a blessing, when he blesses something or someone or where we hear about what it means to be blessed. And today we're starting off right in the very first chapter in the Bible and the first time that we hear that God blesses anything or actually it's an any one and today um, I'm, I'm, I'm outside I'm outside in my garden as I'm sharing the reason is that is that we're talking today about creation we're talking about how God blesses people and how people in turn are to be a blessing to the world around us to the physical to the created world to nature but going back a few steps what does it mean to be blessed by God it's a big question what does it mean to be blessed by God we're going to come to that question a few times today, but I actually want to ask another question which might seem unrelated, but it's going to pave the way for what we're exploring today. Why did God create the world? Why did God create nature? And there's actually a question behind that question, which I want to encourage you to ponder for a moment. It might be something you've never thought about. And it's this, what was God the Father doing before he created the world? As we think about that question for a moment, I think it's going to lay, lay the groundwork for what we come to in that very first chapter in the Bible. And according to Christian thought, according to the whole sweep of Scripture, God the Father, throughout eternity, before this world was made, after this world is, is wrapped up and concluded, God the Father has always and will always be loving God the Son in the power of God the Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity. It's that, that, that bit of Christian thought which sometimes we, we don't give a lot of attention to because it can be a little bit confusing and there's so much about the Trinity that I don't understand. But what I do know is that the Trinity is all about God, Father, Son and Spirit in themselves expressing love, utter unity, one God, but also diversity. And that diversity expressing itself in love, one for the other. God is love we read in the New Testament and God created everything around us as a as an overflow so that that love might be extended see if God before creation was inherently just a commanding God if the relationship within the Trinity was God the Father dominating and commanding and lording it over God the Son then we would expect that all of this creation was so that God had more to rule, God had more subjects. But God didn't create inherently as a commander desiring followers, God is inherently love, God is inherently relational and he created desiring more and more relationship. That's the God at the heart of the Christian faith. He didn't create in order to dominate, he created in order to love. Creation itself, all of this, nature itself is an overflow of God's love. And that's important background as we come to this first chapter 
of the Bible. And I want to read uh, Genesis chapter 1 and starting at verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over all the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Did you spot it? Did you spot that relational Trinity God at work? As he says, not let me make them in my image, but he says, let us make people in our image. What image? What image is it that we're made in? Well, we again, we get, a, we get a clue that it is that relational nature that we're made in. In verse 27, we read that God created mankind in his own image. And then we get these two phrases right next to each other. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We get this sense that male and female together in some way express something of God. And it is that idea of diversity. Men and women are different from one another, but unity. Together they are humanity. Humanity is not made up only of male or only of female. But when, when we come together, we express that. And, 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 and humanity is an expression of the image of the relational nature of God. So back to our first question, what does it mean to be blessed by God? And particularly, what does it mean for us to be blessed by that kind of God? Well, let's carry on reading the next verses, which is God's first blessing in the whole Bible in verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food and it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So after people are made, God blesses them. And then we see that they're tasked with two things. The first is be fruitful and increase in number. He's saying that they're to populate, that they're to, they're to spread everywhere all over the world. Now, God, that relational, that loving God, gives us the most relational and loving way to do that. He's not a commander God who says, rise up an army and, and send out clones of yourself in order to dominate and to oppress the rest of the world. No, he says, go, populate, fill the earth and the nature of the way that that is done through intimacy, through sex, through, through the partnership of male and female, of that unity, of coming together. That is the way that this is to happen. Even that command to, to fill the earth is an overflow and an expression of a loving God pouring love into us and encouraging and commanding us to use the ways that we love one another in order to fill the earth. That's the first thing that this loving, blessing God gives to people to do. And the second is to rule over. And he talks about the fish and the, and the birds and the animals, but to rule over everything. But remember, God is our model. And the way that we reign, the way that we rule over this world needs to be modeled on the way that God himself rules. We are image bearers of him. 
If we are to rule, then we need to do that as an image of him, as a way that shows how he rules. And we know that he rules with love, not with an iron fist. And I want to focus here for a minute. This is where I want to focus some of our thoughts around the ways that we relate to nature, the ways that we relate to creation. There's a phrase that is often used on the internet, particularly on social media, often accompanying an image of something that has gone very wrong. And it's this phrase, you had one job. Look at these, uh, the, these images that I found online. There we go. A stop sign. Sign writer, you had one job. A McDonald's sign. We all know that McDonald's has two arches, not just the one. Look at this one. Someone who's a tiler putting in some tiles on a wall. You literally had one job. Get them in the right order. What about this? Someone who's on a production line uh, making a burger for a takeaway place. You had one job. Get the cheese in the burger, not on the side. All of these things accompanied by that phrase. You had one job. What's our one job. What's the, what's the thing that God has instructed us to do? Well, we've seen that there's a couple of things, but I want to focus in on this, this idea that we are to rule over, that we are to steward and lead and, and, and nurture and care for the created world, for nature. Now, if God were that commanding, dominating God, then we would have been blessed with command with dominion over creation, that we might use it for everything that we want out of it, that we might get every last ounce of pleasure, every last ounce of resource out of it, that it is ours to dominate, because if God is a dominating God, if the Father dominates the Son and the Spirit, and if he dominates us, then we surely in turn, if we are called to rule, might dominate the world around us. But since we have already seen that God is the relational God, the loving God, the one who blesses us, not with command, but with relationship. And if that's the kind of rule that God exercises over us, then that's the kind of rule that we might exercise over creation. That's what God had for us, that we might cause creation and nature to flourish, that we might work within it and with it in order for it and us to flourish humanity, blessed people, you had one job. But in truth, we can treat creation far too often as a, as a tool, as a resource to be drained, as something to get what we want out of instead of something to steward well. Even though we'd hate for God to treat us that way as he rules over us, those things, those people and this planet that we rule over, that we as, a, as humanity, as the human race rule over, we can treat it harshly and we can treat it unwell. This shouldn't be a surprise to us. It's laid out there within scripture that that would be the way that we would end up treating the Bible, because this is Genesis 1 we're looking at. Just a couple of chapters later in Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve mess up, they turn from God, they decide they want things their way. Instead, God then takes them out of the garden. In other words, that blessed relationship that they have with him is no longer going to be as blessed is no longer going to be as close. But what we see is that because God is relational and because we are designed for a relationship with him, when that relationship gets broken, everything else gets broken too. In Genesis 3, 17, God says, this is how the world's gonna be now. Cursed is the ground because of you. 
Through painful toil, you'll eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. We get this picture more of doing battle with the world, doing battle with creation, instead of it being a mutually flourishing relationship between us and the world that we are in. And at times, creation, nature would seem to get the upper hand. Disasters happening, volcanoes and earthquakes and, and floods and droughts and weather conditions that, that make it a hard and a harsh place to live. That's part of the broken world we now live in. And at times, uh, people might get the upper hand. People might manage to make creation, make nature work for them. And we figure out, ah, there's this resource. And now we can, we can drain all of it and we can use it for ourselves. And, and of course, that then creates knock-on effects and environmental concerns and climate change. And, and no matter what the cost, we want to get more out of the world. It can be this battle. We're doing battle with the world around us. We don't need to see it that way because God the Father then sent God the Son, that wonderful relational Trinity God stepped in. And through relationship, through coming close to this world, through stepping into this natural world, through coming alongside and coming close to people, and then through dying, a death on a cross, and rising in a resurrection from that tomb, Jesus made the way that we might be restored back to God. And if the relationship breaks with God, we see that the world falls apart. When the relationship with God is put back, the world can start to be put back too. Everything can be restored. Relationships can be restored and nature can be too. And we know that God's plan and purpose for nature is not that it fades away and is destroyed, but that everything will be made new and be made perfect. We don't have to do battle with this world, but so often we can treat it as though we do. So what can we do? How can we change? How can we play our part in stewarding and looking after this world better? Well, I want to share a few ideas. And actually, I've been journeying a lot in this in the last year as I have spent more time out in this garden. If I turn around now and say hello instead to that camera, which is pointing out of an upstairs window, hello up there, this is our garden and I quite like it. I think it's a lovely place to be. Now, let me show you a picture of what this garden looked like on May the 9th last year. There we go. That's our garden. That's what it looked like. When I moved into uh, this house uh, almost seven years ago, it was an overgrown jungle. And every year I would come out and I would do battle and I would push it back and I would hack away at the weeds and I would get the lawn back in order and then it would grow again. And then I would go back out and do battle again. And that cycle continued year on year on year until last year during the first lockdown when something changed and when we decided to do something different with this garden. And the, some of the lessons that I learned are things that I think we can all learn about the ways that we engage with nature, the ways that we engage with creation. The first is that something about our vision has to change. Truth is, I'd never had a plan for this garden. I'd never had a vision for it, anything other than a jungle that a couple of times a year I have to hack away at. And so that's all it was. But then one day during uh, lockdown last year, Natalie and I got a bit of paper and we looked at the garden, we looked at the shape of it and we thought, what could it be? And we drew a little picture of what, what, what we think could happen. And over time, 
things that were on paper, things that had changed in our mind, became reality. And decking got built, and fences got changed, and plants were planted, and the lawn was re... and, and it was all wonderful. But first, something had to change in our mind. We had to have a different vision. How do you think about nature? How do you think about creation? Is it as something to be used? Is it as something just purely to be enjoyed? Or is it as something to be nurtured and cared for? Because until our thinking changes, nothing else is ever going to change. And the scriptures are really clear that creation is a gift to us, but also something we've been entrusted with. Yes, we should enjoy it, but not at all costs. Yes, we should use the resources that God has given us in it, but not at all costs. We are to steward and to look after this planet well. And it starts with the way that we think about it. Second is that we need to learn from other people. I didn't do all of this garden by myself. There's things in this garden that I didn't know how to do. Some of them I've learnt. Some of them I needed people who knew more than me to come and help. This decking that I'm stood on right now is a solid, good piece of decking. And I was involved in building it, but I wasn't leading that project. Some friends came uh, who, who knew what they were doing and, and, and I helped them rather than them just helping me. And we built something and we did it together because we needed to do it together because we can't do it on our own. Again, if God is that relational God who entrusts creation, not just to me, but to us, then we need to learn from one another. And someone in our church family, James Roby, who's a member of our church and who knows his stuff when it comes to environmental concern and when it comes to what we can do. I'm really grateful that he has put together a blog post, which is up on our website, which gives some inspiration and some things for us to think about. But it also gives us some practical things that we can do. The link is up here right now. or You can find it on the homepage of our website. I'd really encourage you to go and find that and to think, what can I learn from someone else who knows more about this than I do? And the final thing is we make changes to the way we live. If we don't do anything differently, nothing will change. If I'd not started doing things differently in this garden, it would still be that jungle that I had to do battle with a couple of times a year. Nothing would have changed. I'd be standing in the middle of a patch of weeds right now. But something changed in the way that I saw things, I learned the things that I needed to learn from others, and then I was able to make some informed and reasonable and good changes in the way that I approached and in what I did in this space. And as a result, fruit has come, and I enjoy this garden far more. It's now an enjoyable place for me to welcome people, for Natalie and I to host people, for us to show hospitality to people, and for us just to enjoy being in God's creation. But if I'd not made any changes, none of that would have been possible. There might be changes to the way that you live. You might need to reduce your carbon footprint. There might be simple things you can do with your home. And again, James's blog post gives some really good ideas for things that we can maybe all be doing to care better for creation in our mindsets, in our actions, in our attitudes, and in the ways that we behave. Are you willing to make changes, to live differently as part of that call, as a blessed person, blessed by God, and given the responsibility alongside everyone else to steward and to look after this world, this planet well. So this summer, as we seek to be a blessing, how can you bless creation? How can you bless this planet? What changes might you need to make? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this world. I thank you that I have the pleasure of standing out here in this world that you have made. 
thank you for what you have blessed us with. And Lord, would you help us to take seriously our responsibility to be a blessing to this planet in the way that we maintain and uphold and care for it. Help us as a church family to make good choices. Help us as individuals to make good and right choices. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.